0: Where do they teach you to talk like this? In some Panama City sailor wanna hump hump bar? Or is this getaway day and your last shot is whiskey? So crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here.
1: You're
2: listening You're to listening to Radio 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 com. Enjoy the show.
0: I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. won't believe what i'm about to tell you and and i'm actually pretty distraught about it myself but i just recorded the entire nine cents episode with aaron as the co-host and this is what i have from the recording do you hear it do you hear that Yeah, I don't either. You know why? Because my microphone didn't record any of it. I recorded an hour and 12 minutes of silence. Talk. (laughs) Ah! Holy fuck. Alright, well, because of this, I'm going to do my damnedest to provide you with a worthwhile episode. But, understand that it will be underscored with the idea that I've already recorded this entire show with some really amazing insight uh, of another person. And I, I mean, there were parts during the recording that I was like, this is going to be great. The audience is going to really love this. There's some difficult questions that we're asking each other and we're addressing really tough issues. <laughs> but there's some real dynamic answers, uh, being brought to the forefront and all of it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's pretty infuriating. Uh, though, we did re- end up, I discovered it right, re- and here's the amazing part, we had an hour and 12 minutes of just the regular show before we even get to Down to the Crossroads. Did some really amazing stuff, gone, purely gone, the way of the dodo,
1: butterflies in the sky.
0: <laughs> ah! Uh, but I did record Down to the Crossroads correctly. Uh, you know, and if it wasn't for pee breaks, I gotta tell you, I'm a fan of the pee break. If it wasn't for pee breaks, we would never <laughs> realize that we weren't actually recording anything. And, uh, Down at the Crossroads would also be gone. But, because we have to pee, because we imbibe <laughs> allergic reactions notwithstanding, Aaron, <laughs> we, uh... We did end up discovering that the recording was Bubkus, and we actually resolved it. We, I. This is not her fault at all. This is purely me. So, I'm going to try to give you a show worth listening to, though I don't know how good it's actually going to be, because I'm kind of thinking about my wife and how much time I want to spend with her. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and... uh I just like man I okay so yes I have had something to drink
1: <clears throat> <laughs>
0: but I've uh, I just barbecued some chicken and it was delicious and we had some red beans and rice which was delicious and some homemade rolls uh which were fluffy and buttery and delicious so I am I'm very content at the moment which is why I'm going to do the show I was actually really close not to doing it but uh down to the crossroads is going to happen, and we're going to call it Heaven in a Chair. And it'll make sense once you hear it. Um, but in The Devil's Advocate, we're going to bring Magistra Blanche Barton's, we I'm going to bring Magistra Blanche Barton's essay, LaVey's Five-Point Plan, Revisited. And in The Infernal Informant, Georgia Mom, who watched Baby mercilessly shot in the face, weeps for son she will never grow to see. Or never see grow. Either way, the second article, making sense of Social Security and Medicare. And the last half, once again, down to the crossroads. So that's going to do it for another show. Uh, you know what? There's actually a couple notes I want to touch on here. One, cross, available now. Go to tribeafterdark.com and buy it. It is fun. And if you don't, eh, big book. All right, so I went to Goblin Valley, which is, uh, it's a state park in Utah, in the desert of Utah, the southern portion of Utah. And it's... We've been planning this for I think two weeks. We we're going to go down there and camp, but the spring and fall for Utah deserts is really booked up because those are the prime times of actually visiting the desert because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. It's actually just perfect time to really sort of you know camp out. Well, we were going to do that, but we couldn't because all the the, the camping spots were closed, and it's illegal to camp in non-designated camping areas in state parks. At least in southern Utah. Anyway, in Goblin Valley specific. But we woke up and there was like three inches of snow. All over the cars. All over our trees. All over the yard. All over everything. And this is after a week of pure spring weather. So it was a little jarring. A little disappointing. And really cold. But that's the majesty of what Utah is. And I I tell myself I have to move out of this state for x or y reason, and I do this every so often. I don't know of any other state that has the diversity of environment like Utah does. The only thing we're missing is an ocean, and we, actually the secret, the the, the sweet, uh, well-kept secret of Utah is that its lakes are amazing once you get into them. Stay on the shore, not so good. You get into the lakes and they're amazing. So, and we have the Uintas in our back door, and just south, we have desert land, we have arches, we we have a diversity of terrain unmatched, unparalleled. It is amazing. You have to put up with a little bit of social bullshit, but in my opinion, if you love the outdoors like I do, and you like camping and hiking and, and actively being in the outdoors, there are no better places it's amazing. So I've been putting up pictures of Goblin Valley and I, you know, the last time we went, I think was two years ago, uh, when my daughter was super young, but it was, it was really funny because there's this transformation between the, the first time that I went with my son anyway. I mean, I, I used to go as a teenager during my, um, rebellious years. And, uh, you know, I went through a drug phase like some teenagers do. And, I was lucky enough to have not been consumed by it, but, you know, going to Goblin Valley and and drinking when you're not supposed to, you know, it was really cool as a young man and a lot of fun and, you know, there were drugs involved and it was exciting and whatever. I was lucky not to have suffered for it, but, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fond memories growing up of Goblin Goblin Valley because of those experiences I had. Uh, this time around, well, well, let's say the first time I went with my son and and my wife and our daughter was just an infant, so she didn't, re- you know, still in diapers, like first year type stuff. She didn't really experience it. She didn't really have fun. Um, and it, it's it's hard to really connect with a baby. I I say hard, I mean impossible. You really are just taking care of the basics when it's a baby. So it, it was fun at that time with my son running around playing uh, through these goblins, climbing up on them and around them and and taking pictures and stuff. It was, it was really exciting. But this time with my daughter, she understood things. And, you know, she watches movies like Labyrinth and stuff, thanks to my wife. And so we had this really fun activity of storming the goblin keep. And and uh, we had to be really super quiet and sneak past the goblin guards and uh, liberate the treasure from the goblin's uh, safe deposit box. And it was just this kind of fun little moment between me and my daughter of of imagination and pretend. And it took me back to being a kid again. And it was something that I did with my son the first time I went. And it was this funny juxtaposition because this time... My son didn't so much enjoy it at all, <laughs> at all, uh, but my daughter did. And so I, I had this really amazing, vicarious moment of of experiencing this valley for the first time through her eyes. It, 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 its It's one of those things where you realize that being a parent is incredibly challenging and it's very difficult and there's no thanks involved and you sacrifice a significant amount of your freedom finances and time in order to benefit this other being and it's not really worth it to be honest until you have moments like these where you get to share and connect and I mean, it, it was, it was so amazing. It even carried through like we were tonight. Um, she was crawling all over me. And that's what she does. <laughs> I'm a dad on the jungle gym. Uh, so she was crawling all over me and, and she was like, daddy, I still have the necklace. I still have the necklace, which is, you know, just part of that imaginary thing. You know, she stole this really, um, amazing magical necklace from this goblin keep. <laughs> and it just brought us right back to that. And that's something that you will never forget. It's a moment that will always connect you. And it's something that she's going to remember for years to come. Hopefully her whole life, but realistically years to come. If if you have the opportunity to be in, a child again, if you have the opportunity to live vicariously through your children or, or maybe through someone else's that you're watching, and just connect with them, pure magic comes from that i mean that that is the source that is the well of magic and i had an amazing time it was absolutely brilliant uh and even though my son didn't particularly enjoy this time you know we still have memories and these are the things that you have to it doesn't cost money i mean it was seven bucks to get into the national park but Outside of that, it doesn't really cost money to have these moments, to share these experiences, but they are so important. They are so important to the health and welfare of the children, and for you as the parent. So, I don't know, I mean, I I had a lot of fun, and, you know, I, I just say to every parent out there, make time for your kids. I understand life is busy and difficult and challenging, and there's finances involved, but... Get your ass into the park and pretend with them. Help them discover what an imagination is. And that creativity will truly be with them their whole life. Help nurture and give them the magic of childhood that sometimes reality can rob them of. You know, it's amazing and it's something that in my opinion, is integral to being a parent, you know, allowing them to have those special, special moments. Uh, so that's what we did. Oh, yeah. And uh, Wart Nation. So my my homebrewing blog has a little, uh, it's been quiet as of late, but not because I haven't been working on it. So I, I have started a video series of my wine making, uh, well, I guess wine making series is what it's called, but it's the Pinot Noir kit. So, I purchased this kit, it came with grape juice and additives, and I've been recording it for the past two weeks, the process, and so it'll be a couple more weeks before it's ready to be uh, released, but it is in the works, more Wart Nation is coming, and I do, I actually just today, received the final videos of the... Um, whole grain brewing batch that I started videotaping a couple weeks ago with another member of Wart Nation. So if you're a fan of winemaking, if you're a fan of wine or a beer of uh, uh, beer making as well, the videos are coming. I've got two amazing ones and I'm probably going to release, if not tomorrow, then the day after a sort of goofy, um, video about, about yeast. And uh, the fermentation process is—it's it's sort of just you know a, a quick, very, very quick little fun thing, but it's coming out. So, so War Nation is very much active and happening, and the videos are being put together. But because I sort of have so many things in the air right now, um it's going to take a little bit more time. All right, so let's talk about the show and the Devil's Advocate, LeVay's Five Point Plan revisited. I already talked about this. I've had too much to drink, so <laughs> let's, let's just dive in on the show, shall we?
1: your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his character for he is a liar and the father of lies and you are the devil's
0: advocate i'm a satanist i'm an active member in the church of satan but i do not speak for the church of satan that is all Levey's five point plan revisited with the church's 50th birthday soon upon us now's a good time to review what we've accomplished and where to best concentrate our resources over the next ten years or so, Anton Lavey's influence on popular culture is well established. Music, fashion, and the arts, various self-help paths, the growth or growing acceptance of pagan magical pursuits, and the recent rise of atheism have all been enlivened by the energies released in 1966. What could there possibly be left to do? <laughs> so this is a practical examination of levey's pentagonal revisionism uh, reference and it's sort of a five-point program on on what it, what it would mean to have a realized satanic world so Magister Blanche Barton wrote this. It is available in the newest version and recently released uh, version of the Cloven Hoof. And check out news.churchofsatan.com in order to find out information on how to get your hands on a copy of this recently released uh, edition. But the Cloven Hoof is very much alive, and Magister Blanche Barton is very much putting it out. Uh, Very, very cool stuff. Uh, it's been a while, so this is, this is exciting stuff. Um, yeah, but she, she took the time to put together sort of an examination of the five point program, uh, that Livet put forth. And I gotta say, our, there's, there's a responsibility portion in this. So addressing the few points that, uh, are, are very much realized, we have artificial human companions. Well, the real doll, Um Uh, androids, uh, uh, sex dolls, uh, real uh, baby dolls. I mean, these things are are being actively created. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons outside of the master-slave scenario to adopt something like an artificial human companion. Psychological... um, just this this idea of fulfilling a, a parental role without the ability to actually um, have a child yourself. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why the artificial human companion idea would be relevant, and we have realized them. I mean, I got to tell you, one of the one of the early um, uh, pentagonal revisionism, uh, the essay by Dr. Levey. I read it as a young man and I didn't really connect with the artificial human companion idea. It it took me a long time to sort of wrap my head around it and it's not that it's not that I didn't understand the need for it in some cases, but I didn't see it as relevant to myself at all. The older I get, the more I experience life and our culture collectively and our society collectively, The more I withdraw from society and the more I understand, the more I appreciate the concept of artificial human companions. So he was genuinely, in my opinion, before his time in that thought process and it's realized. Another one that's completely realized is the um, total environment concept, This, this idea of of wrapping yourself in this idealized world, whatever it is. Now, you know, we have theme parks that do this. We have festivals that do this, but it's a way of you owning your own existence and demanding that those who interact in that do so as well. And, and this is sort of paid off through our digital environment, uh, the internet, social networks, video games, and also very much uh, our physical world uh, festivals, cosplay uh, um, uh, comic conventions or, or just game conventions, um, theme parks like like uh, um, Disneyland and, and stuff like that uh, Renaissance fairs so <clears throat> we have very much uh, owned that concept and all of this is paid off by the concept of stratification i mean it's sort of the point that which everything else ultimately rests the the idea that the cream will rise to the top that we can separate ourselves from those that we want nothing to do with that, that that we can isolate success and worth in life That is something that hasn't been realized yet. I mean, we have to accept it on two scales here. We have the scale of people who don't want to accomplish anything, that are fine sucking on the teat of society, that are sapping, being literal leeches economically to the society in which they live. We have that. And as a society, we are not ready to shake them loose, or else we would have done it already, unfortunately. So we we haven't allowed we haven't afforded ourselves the opportunity of shaking loose those leeches as of yet. But it's not just on the lower end of things. I mean, if we're going to talk about status and economics, we have to realize that we live in a world where there are corporations that are deemed too big to fail. Now this was personified in the latest uh, U.S. recession where banks and multinational corporations were bailed out by the United States government um, because of the impact of their failure, uh, the, the devastating nature of it, on, on the greater U.S. population. We have decided as a world environment, whether we agree with it or not, that we will hold up the weak, those who are not of worth, those who do not get off their ass. We will hold them up and carry them with us in our back pocket. But equally, we will hold up those who have accomplished, who have fought and struggled, so that they don't have to fight and struggle again. All the while, everyone in the middle is literally being fucked. This is the world we live in, so stratification is not realized yet. Don't fool yourself. And though on an individual basis, We are quite capable of of, of fighting and and struggling and and realizing it on a national scale, on a global scale, we are very much far removed from it. So that is something that we are still striving for. Uh, Strict taxation of churches, for example. Though there are city states in Europe that are uh, fighting legally to uh, see this realized, on a global scale again it is not realized at all we have rape organizations organizations that perpetuate child raping the Catholic Church tax exempt completely tax exempt we should be doubling down on their taxes Not only is it an organization that coddles and hides illegal activity, it's the raping of children. How can you give them any breaks at all? It's disgusting. How is this even okay by anyone, religious or not? It's disgusting but this is literally an organization that harbors rapists. Pedophile rapists. And we're allowing them to have an economic benefit for it! It is pure insanity. So, no, that also is not yet realized. Though there are organizations, there are political groups that are fighting for it, completely devoid of Satanism in context, uh, working on Satanism, uh, Satanist, Satanist goals. <clears throat> through, uh, their actions, uh, <laughs> in their ignorance. So, no, that is not realized yet, either. Yeah, it's just not there yet. Um, Lex Talionis, not realized. There, and I'm going to touch on an article here, uh, coming up shortly, but there's very much a system of admitted criminals celebrating their criminal activities that are assigned to life in prison and just living off of our tax money. There's no justice involved. Yes, they're thrown in jail, but they're still alive. There's no vengeance involved. That's not lex talionis, eye for an eye. We need to have the death penalty. We need to allow people the, the right that we are afforded, in the U.S. at least, of representation. But if you are found guilty, you must suffer for your crimes. And certainly, if you admit and celebrate those crimes, you should be punished immediately. But no, we don't do that. We let the bleeding hearts dictate law in a lot of cases. And collectively as a society, like it or not, we are moving away from the death penalty. And I don't understand it. I don't really get... I I understand um, poor court trials and and, and loaded trials and injustices. Like I, I understand the concept. But that's not always the case, and we shouldn't allow those who have done heinous crimes to get away with it because some who haven't are suffering. As with anything in life, there are consequences, um, and some of them are unintended, but they are worth really the, the ultimate communal success involved with that. So, Yes, it is horrible that some people, uh, due to their ethnicity or due to circumstance, that are put on death row because of uh, bigotry or hate. It is unfortunate. But I would prefer that, the small case, the, the, the random cases of that, if it means that we punish criminals that are admitted criminals, th- that are convicted criminals that we can end their life and not continue their existence uh, in the system. But we don't do that. So Lex Talionis is not realized. You know, Anton LeVay did touch on a number of things that would create an idealized satanic society, and we have realized many of them, but we still have work to do. So what's fantastic about this essay uh, Magister blind Spartan put forth is that she she sort of defines what the role in this realization is for the Church of Satan, but also what it, the role is for the Satanists themselves, ourselves, because we do have a responsibility as Satanists. We we have a responsibility to live as Satanists, to define success in our lives, to realize that success. Per our definition. And those that we've chosen to love, we hold on a pedestal and we love and cherish them as best we can. And those that we have deemed to hate because of uh, uh, whatever reason, that we hate them with all of our passion. We have a responsibility as Satanists, above and beyond anything else, to live not because we're satanists but because we're human beings that realize what everyone else shakes loose the here and now is what is important the experience is what is important and it is our responsibility to really celebrate that anyway this is an amazing article i'm not doing it justice uh, here but go to churchofsatan.com Check it out, or pick up your own copy of The Cloven Hoof and read it for yourself. Let's go ahead and dive into the Infernal informant. Psst. Hey, hey. Hey, come here. Psst. What? Uh, Huh? Me? Do
1: I know you? Hey, you're a religious man, aren't you? No more than anyone else. Listen, listen, I got a secret. It's it's been eating me up, and I got to share it with someone. Get the fuck out of here, kid. I don't know you. No, listen man. It's about you. It's about your life. You're about to have what, what alcoholics refer to as your moment of clarity. What are you talking about? Are you okay, son? Sins are indisposable to every society organized on an ecclesiastical basis. They are only reliable weapons of power. The priest lives upon sins. It's, it's necessary to him that there be sinning. Who the fuck are you, kid? I'm your infernal informant.
0: Hi, this is the New York Daily News. Georgia mom who watched baby mercilessly shot in the face weeps for son she will never grow. See grow, uh, 13 month year old, <laughs> year old. Brunswick, Georgia boy was murdered in a stroller Thursday after a botched robbery attempt on his mother, Sherry West. Two teenage boys have been charged for first degree murder in the case, and this was posted by Corianne uh, lech on march twenty third so I heard about this on Friday, and I was there has been a recent surge of gun violence uh, news articles that I've noticed at least. And I don't know if it's maybe I'm just paying more attention because of the national debate over guns is raging right now. Or if the media has just decided to bring it to the forefront because of the debate. Or or maybe they just think that that's what people want to see or hear. But there has been a lot recently. I mean a lot of sort of Absurd, senseless crimes. Um, so, this one uh, starts like this. Uh, and, and this is, I, I kind of hate this about this article in that it's playing on your emotions rather than giving the situation uh, a thorough examination. But I'm, I'm going to give it to you and then I'm going to talk about it here. The Georgian mother, whose baby was shot and killed execution style on a stroller, said she will forever mourn the milestones she'll never see. I'm always going to wonder what his first word would be said the heartbroken mom, Sherry West, a day after the senseless shooting in Brunswick, Georgia. Her 13-month-old boy, Antonio Santa- Santiago, was murdered Thursday, seconds after two teenage killers shot and wounded the terrified mom during a botched robbery. When West saw the jail mug shot of 17-year-old DeMarque Elkins, she identified him as a shooter. That's definitely him, she told law enforcement. He killed my baby and he shot me too. Police nabbed Elkins in Brunswick and charged him as an adult with first-degree murder. Uh, His alleged accomplice, 14, who has not been identified because he's a minor, was also arrested. We're trying to determine which one actually was the shooter, police spokesman Todd Rhodes said Saturday. The motive for the horrendous act was still under investigation, police said, and the weapon had not been found. Elkin's older sister insisted her family knows that her brother was not involved in the shooting. My brother wasn't anywhere near that area as far as we know, not the scene or the shooting, she said Saturday. He couldn't do that to a little baby. When police found Elkins, they pointed a taser at him and told him to get to the ground. He said, what are you getting me for? Can you tell me what I did? His sister recalled. West was shot in the leg above the knee and another bullet grazed her left ear. She said the gunman shot her son in the face. My baby will never be back again. West sobbed as she packed bags of baby clothing and diapers to donate to charity. He took an innocent life. I want his life too. I can absolutely respect the uh, concept of lex talionis she wants vengeance for the murdering and attempted murder of herself and her baby and it's it's tough because we we have to afford the opportunity everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law and we believe that she has identified the killers What does it say about a society when you can have a 17 and 14-year-old shoot a baby in the face and then try to kill her mother? A baby? What, What does that say about us? For what? Could she have had $20 in her wallet? At best? Is that what it's worth to you? Life in prison? Or do you really think you would get away with it? And that you would do this again to someone else? For $20? Or or maybe you'd get lucky. Let's say $50. What kind of a worthless fuck does that? And what kind of worthless parents are raising these kids? Where is the the basic moral standing of just a human being to shoot a baby in the face. I mean, that speaks volumes about who we are as a society and, and how far we have to come. Now, collectively, violence has gone down, so situations like this are rare. But it's out there. Like, this this is what we are breeding as a society. Congratulations, baby killers, for 20 bucks. I, is this what we want to go for? Because I'm not on that. I'm not on that train. I, I teach my kids to understand right from wrong, not because of some ridiculous, invisible man, but because there's basic human respect and a social contract involved like if you want twenty dollars work for a day you'll get more than that that's all it takes a little responsibility a little bit of of sweat and you will make a lot more than twenty dollars and you won't spend your life in prison or be shot in the face yourself that's all it takes But this is what we are breeding, collectively as a society. I don't want to have to work for the $20. I could just rob someone or kill someone. And hopefully, they'll have more than that. Hopefully. Hope. Pfft. Whatever happened to responsibility? Right? Whatever happened to the idea of... knowing... That if you want something, in life, you have to work for it. There are no shortcuts. Not in a society, there are no shortcuts. You will be found, and you will be punished. And that is not worth the time it takes to conduct the criminal act. Are you such a worthless human being? Fine. That's fine, but we shouldn't just execute the kids that are doing this. We should reach out to the parents, cut their balls off, remove their uterus, ensure that they never have another child again. Because where do you think these kids learned this behavior? The absence of their parents. That's where they learned it. They didn't have a moral compass guiding them. And that is incumbent upon the parents to provide. So, make the parents suffer. And you can cut it off at the head. But just making the kids suffer? These parents can keep having them. They can keep spitting these kids out. Not paying attention to them. Not demanding the accomplishment, the challenge... From the children. We need to make them suffer as well. Because it's not just the kids fault. It is their fault. But not just their fault. Their parents failed them. So we must ensure they don't do it to anyone else. I mean that's how I see it. it, It always goes back to the parents. They had to have seen a problem with their children. You don't just wake up one day and decide that you want to shoot a baby in the face for any amount of money there's something that builds to that and whether you realize it or not whether you are awake in your parenting or not you are responsible because you had those children and you brought them up both of them are not adults now here's something that that's a little challenging here the 17 year old is being tried as an adult and he's not an adult They're trying him as an adult because of the heinousness of of the crime. He, He killed a baby. But, again, he got that from somewhere. You can't blame society because not everyone is going out and shooting babies. Look to the parents. Look to those who are charged with the responsibility of raising a child properly. And if they do not live up to that responsibility end it for the sake of the society end it you may not like that concept but i would suggest that if you are not on board with that idea then you are derelict in that responsibility yourself now i'm saying this as a father of two children who i struggle with as a parent every day trying to teach them right from wrong good versus bad behaviors and the complexities of situations and it's not easy but it was my choice to have them and even if it's not it's not a realistic choice it's not an adult made choice Even if you had children out of wedlock or or just as a young kid by accident, you have been placed in a position of responsibility. Life is not fair, and it's not easy, and you have to step up to the plate and be responsible for the outcome. So I struggle with my kids, just like every parent does. And these kids' parents failed and we have to stop it we have to start holding people responsible and it's not just the kids it is their parents anyway um let's go ahead and move on to the next one making sense of social security and medicare and this is from the wall street journal by jennifer waters social security medicare and other earned benefits make up by far the largest portion of the federal government's expenses Uh, they're also among the most misunderstood so this is the first of a many series um, uh, of articles that will address Social Security, Medicare, and it, and it is sort of brought up in a, a Q&A type uh, format. So question, will I receive Social Security benefits? Well, that's a big, it depends. If you're over 65, no sweat. If you're 45 to 65, you might see some changes from the relatively generous benefits enjoyed by your parents. If you're under 45, you have plenty to worry about. The problem is, more money is being paid out of the system than is going in. The shortfall, now about $200 billion a year, is being made up by drawing on the $2.73 trillion Social Security Trust Fund. The fund is U.S. government bonds that have been bought by the Social Security Administration for 30 years with money paid by baby boomers. They've spent most of their working lives paying more into the system than it's spent. The extra money was lent to the government, which used it to offset some of the huge deficits of the 80s and 2000s with the overpayments and government surplus in the late 1990s wouldn't have happened. Now the returning, retiring boomers are taking out more than younger workers are putting in. According to current estimates, the trust fund could be fully tapped as soon as 2033. Now here's the problem. We had a huge surplus in the Social Security uh, arena. <clears throat> huge surplus, but it was... Stolen by the Bush administration. Stolen to pay for the Iraq War. They did it in the open. They let everyone know they were doing it. But they took your money. And they put it into a bullshit war that only benefited a couple corporations. That's right. So now we don't have enough to cover our losses compounding the Occupy movement and this growing sentiment of I'm owed by my society. This idea that you don't have to work for your benefit. that, That you are owed merely by existing some idea of benefit. That is really harming us as a society and we have we have ski bombs, and, and and really welfare babies sapping leeching off of our society and not contributing to it that's a problem advances in medical care and the extension of our lifespans is a problem we have a lot more older generations Living longer and sucking out of Social Security. So, and it's you have to sort of look at this in the idea that what was Social Security made for? I mean, it is not supposed to be a retirement plan. It's never been a retirement plan, and I understand that some people think that it is, but they're wrong. and And it's supposed to be a safety net. So this idea that you know, you turn 65 and you never work again, well, that was never real. I mean, there are some people who do truly retire at that age, but they're not living solely off of Social Security. I mean, they have investments as well. Social Security is a safety net. It's meant to help you, not to take care of you. So it is incumbent upon us as a society to realize, responsibility to the responsible, we have to save our own money. We have to plan for our own retirement. And yes, I know you work hard for your money and you want to spend it and celebrate. Put a portion aside and save it. Don't live in debt. Save your money for your own future or for a rainy day where you're going to need it whether it's a medical emergency uh, a death or or maybe just so that you can keep your damned house we have to be responsible as a society and realize that the government is not there to take care of us there are some programs meant to help us if we need it temporarily but Social Security is not your saving grace; it is not your parachute. It's just meant to help. The problem is, is that we have too many people sapping our system, not wanting to pay into our system, expecting that they they should get benefits without putting into it, like they're owed they're privileged. It's disgusting and and that is really the the only outcome that I got from the Occupy movement. Uh, Okay, so question, what's going to happen? A, time is Time is running out, and the gridlock in Washington isn't helping. Among possible solutions, changing the way cost of living adjustments are figured, reducing benefits slightly now, but far more over the long haul. Other suggestions range from raising the eligibility age to 70 to reduce benefits of wealthier retirees to raising taxes. Count on Social Security in one form or another, being around for a long, long time, but don't count on it being as generous as it was in the past. So again... I think maybe we should take a look at this like the medical care system has done with HSAs. You put in your own money and you spend your own money. Take a realistic look at this and realize that the government is not there to hold you up at all times, you know? I mean, maybe they'll catch you once or twice, but. I mean, you're a human being. Work. Achieve. Success. Fight. I mean, that's what it's all about. Don't expect other people to hold their hands out and just care for you. That's not realistic. And it's not going to happen. All right. So speaking of health care, I understand Medicare is in worse shape than Social Security. You bet it is. The Government Accountability Office estimates the 75-year funding gap will be a staggering $76.4 trillion. The Medicare Security Trust Fund could run dry as soon as 2016, according to 2011 reports from the trustees. And the system is rife with fraud and abuse, costing us nearly $100 billion a year. Yeah, a year according to some congressional estimates. To make matters worse, the government can't seem to get its long-term projections in line. Just last month, the Congressional Budget Office slashed its 10-year budget projection by $143 billion, or (laughs) 2.2%. Yeah. It noted that spending was significantly lower than the projection the last three years, thanks mostly to technology and somewhat to legislation. Uh, But is that a trend? or a recession-related blip. By some estimates, we will receive health care that costs three times what we paid into into it in our lifetimes. Clearly, that's unsustainable, and the only way out is to cut benefits or to up the ante, neither of which garners much enthusiasm from, well, anyone. But like Social Security, some form of Medicare will be around for some time, though you can expect it will be parceled and pared down considerably. So Medicare, is another one of those aids that society will provide. It should not be seen, and unfortunately it is, by many people, as an end-all. Like, I won't have to pay for my own health care because Medicare is there to take care of me. Or, I've worked this long, and my knee really hurts, I'll just get on Medicare. I know people like this. I do. In my immediate life, And it drives me mad that people will expect the government to take care of them without actively trying to do something themselves. Oh, uh, it, it is easier. I'll grant them to sit on their ass and not do anything. But it's not responsible. It's not. So, you can either be a part of the Occupy ideology and say that it's not fair that, that big business is getting all the breaks and that, that individuals aren't getting the same breaks as big business. And that you don't have to work. But that also means that you don't get to reap the benefits of the society you're living in if you're not contributing to said society. If you're not paying into Medicare and Social Security on a regular, daily, monthly, weekly, Yeah, I'm going back and forth there. (laughs) Yearly basis, then you don't, you cannot, as a responsible human being, expect to reap anything from it. And I'm here to ensure, through my vote, that it doesn't happen. We need to shame people who aren't holding up their end of the collective societal bargain. We need to point our fingers at them and tell them that they are leeches and they need to get off their ass or get the hell out of this society. Move on. They cannot sleep here. We have a responsibility to do this. All right, so the the article goes on, but I think I've made my point over and over again. So let's go ahead and uh, break here. Holy shit, I've actually talked for a while here let's go ahead and take a short break and on the other end we'll dive into down the crossroads there and see you there we interrupt your normal adverts to bring you this information from deep six radio and why you should be listening take it away chaps meet
2: the game
1: cause the boys are here the boys to entertain you
2: that's right, these boys certainly will show you a good time. Won't well, stop and buy for a sherry. Hey, hey, hey!
1: The songs and sketches I don't with us about you That's right, Deep Six only available on the Radio Free Satan. The boys to entertain you. We are here to make you feel. Oh yes. So give us a cheer with my hey hey. Hey! around and put down your gun with us about the plenty of fun so meet the gang cause the boys are here the boys to entertain you oh That's right there'll be jovial times and good times stop a bye did I mention a sherry <laughs> and remember to choose deep six radio together we'll beat the jelly swine yeah! Excellent, on Radio Free Satan. Why not venture down into Lambert's basement and join me, Dave Ingram, and Igor. Where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz. Only available on Radio Free Satan. Ah, there you will. Sure you want to stay out in this blackout? Sure it's dark tonight.
0: Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. Do
1: you yourself!
2: What are you doing out here?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm headed down to the cross. crossroads. <laughs> Wait, miss you can't be you're
1: you're the devil devil. but you're you're beautiful Beautiful. just sign here oh my god
0: welcome to another down to the crossroads another being another of the exact same motherfucking (laughs) down the crossroads i'm being joined uh, once again by aaron how are you my dear
2: hello i'm doing well Uh
0: What the audience doesn't know, but I'm sure at this point of hearing it, you've heard me complain about ad nauseum at the beginning of this show that you're hearing is that we've recorded this whole fucking show already and the fucking volume was not... The microphone that I have here that I want to, if it was human, kill and then tell it that I jerked off to its memory. (laughs) <laughs> Which is an inside joke that you'll never hear because of the fucking microphone. This is so.
2: tragic.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I recorded the entirety of the show with Aaron, and mm. you're not going to be able to hear it because I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, my but, debut.
2: My debut co hosting gig.
0: Seriously. It was, so <laughs> it was so good. It was but, so good. But <laughs> we do have the Down the Crossroads segment. Yay. So let's maybe drag this out for an hour. <laughs> and that's all we'll have
1: oh
2: man
0: what do you have for us this week well you this know how i don't
2: have a theme mm-hmm. and uh this week is today's palm sunday so happy day after palm sunday everybody yay palm Sunday! hey it's a movable feast like the Hemingway novel <laughs> <laughs>
1: this
2: is horrible it's not so
0: bad all right
2: <laughs> um so I did, you know
0: <laughs> I have I have uh, I have Belgian white and bushmills helping me through it Bush but Bill. I don't think they're helping much I'm actually getting a little I um, like red here I'm
2: on fire because as I discussed earlier with you but the audience will never hear I have developed an an allergic reaction to all alcohol <laughs> so my face is if you could see me right now it's like twice the size as usual because I don't think I took my medicine soon enough
0: turn on your camera I can see you.
2: No fucking way. Okay, never mind. <laughs> for that one again.
0: Jeez. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, so this week's theme is religion because it's all about. I mean, last week was St. Patrick's Day, which is a very religious huh. holiday for. Really? So, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but this is Palm Sunday today that we're recording in next. Of course, next Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday. He is risen, hallelujah.
1: Rise and, of the um, dead.
2: <laughs> so I went with a religious theme. Do you want to start the first song?
0: Yeah, let's do that.
2: This one is Sun House. A lot of introduction here. Take three.
0: Mm, I do like
1: that. <laughs> Sounds so good. Yeah, yep. Give me religion. Slide guitar there. Baptist
0: church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm yes, I've never religion. heard of Sunhouse before. Wow, that's shocking. I'm a
2: giant, a He's one of the best, church. one of the absolute greats. I know I say that all the time, don't I? <laughs> but I wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't play yeah, anything for you that was subpar, so would I? Mm. Not
1: so yet.
2: The, the opening line here, he says, you know, I'm gonna get me religion. I'm gonna join the Baptist Church. I want to be a Baptist preacher just so I don't have to work. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a plan. The fact is that Sunhouse is a barely functioning, was a barely functioning alcoholic when he wrote this song, wrote and sang this song. Um, and it's a really great analogy for his life. Really, it's a sort of microcosm of the macrocosm that was this poor son of a bitch's life.
0: <laughs> I gotta say, if you can play and sing like this as a alcoholic, you don't have a problem.
2: Well, um, the fact, the truth is that uh, you know he was around. He was born in 1902, so he was recording in like 20, the 20s, 30s, maybe, and then he sort of fell off the face of the planet, and he was rediscovered. Uh, by some white folks, as it usually goes with the blues. And uh, But someone, I think a guy from, like, have you ever heard of the band Canned Heat? Yeah, they were a big 60s, like, uh, Woodstock kind of band. Anyway, they had this kind of sit down when they the just, when they found out Sunhouse was still alive. He, they found him, and they sat down with him, and basically the guy um, from Canned so Heat retaught Sunhouse how to play Sunhouse's songs because he had, was so you know addled from the alcohol use that he didn't really remember and he'd start you know the guy would start playing a song and he'd be like oh yeah that's me and he'd you know, the song so he was you know he was in some shit and this song is a really great um you know microscopic view of this battle between uh the, the bottle and the bible really because you know, one sister jumps up. She begins sister, to shout, and she, you know, you, I, you know. So I'm so glad when that corn liquor's gone out, and the the deacon jumps up and he says, uh, I'll, "I believe I'll go back to Barrel House again," which is in reference to him going back to, the, you know, the pub, and getting drunk instead of dealing with y'all religious <laughs> shitheads. So you know, Sunhouse was a tormented really tortured kind of guy and you can kind of hear it in his voice and in his plan there's a lot of gospel mm-hmm.
0: I like think it says a lot about the Christian religion when the only time people give a damn about it is when they're in the shit right right like if it was great and if it really was a wonderful wouldn't they care when they weren't in the shit like they would <laughs> yep. they would you would never have to worry about it if you were in the ship because you were already there, like enjoying this wonderful Alabama experience of whatever. But no, right. no,
2: it's a whole like atheist
0: in a foxhole kind of thing, you know. There's no atheist in
2: the foxhole. Well, I guarantee you, there's a, a shit ton of atheists in a foxhole. You know, some yeah. people get it, some people don't, and those people who re- rely upon religion to to guide their lives, you know, they're they're always going to until they don't I'm anymore sure. or they, until they die, you know.
0: I just just that, that phrase. I got a when I was going through the military. Oh, sure. I mean, they, uh, we would have, I mean, just it, it was a given. It was an assumption that everyone made that everyone was this Christian person. And so, battalions would have prayers where they'd bow their heads and they'd, you know, all, all gather around this one central uh, person giving the prayer. Oh, either it was you uh, um, just, the the leader at the time or just someone who wanted to give the prayer whether it was a chaplain I would always be the one standing off Mm -hmm. like out of the formation I absolutely refused I got a lot of a lot of shit for it but there was no way that I would even for the sake of just towing the line in the military I refused because of the absurdity the, the idea of it now, I, I can't be the only one having done this, and so it, it's always amazing to me when you do run into these people, uh, like Sunhouse, for example, who in this may be doing it just for the song, anecdotally, uh, but did fall into shit times, and, and for some people, you know, they do reach out to this crazy made-up thing in order to pull them out of it, all the while ignoring... The, the own power of themselves. <laughs>
1: <doing>. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <I've been drinking laughs> <all the time. laughs>
2: well, we have what the listeners don't know is we have an hour's you worth know, of drinking behind <laughs> <us>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're this. We're all dialed out Yeah. Yeah, Sunhouse is one of the greats. He's just, you know, you can't listen to the blues and not listen to Sunhouse,
0: so. I gotta say it. Uh, mm-hmm. When, when I think of the blues, I don't think of performers on stage. I don't think of um, videos. I, you know, I don't think of slideshows of images. I think of uh, just a human being sitting down in a chair with an instrument or just their voice and just expressing. And that is, to me, the blues. It's not a record crackle, though I think that's amazing. It's not... Um, you know it's not a a cheering crowd behind them it is literally just that person Mm -hmm. and their expression of of sorrow or sadness or experience Mm -hmm. and it is so much more powerful than this other shit that's tacked on to
2: it yeah well i think you know our third song uh we're getting ready to play a second song here but the third song is going to be that personified uh but we'll get to that in a second Mm -hmm. so yeah you're absolutely right i think Yes, uh,
0: that's a great point. <laughs> it, it's like, okay, I mean, it's, it's like poetry, right? I mean, right. there's a lot of forms of, of, of literary expression. There's something personal about a poem. There's something intimate about a mm-hmm. poem. Now, there's certainly an insane amount of of musical expression, but the blues, it's Mm -hmm. personal. It's about this one person Mm -hmm. and their own experience. And Mm -hmm. that is something that you just cannot, you can't buy. You can't make it like a boy Mm -hmm. band. You can't, you can't form it. And that's why the greats, uh, you have to discover, you have to search for, because, the, and that's what Down to crosswords is for me. It's it's the way of, and, and why I think you're you're such a valuable contribution to this. You're doing the hard work for us, and I'm able <laughs> to easy. sit on my ass and, and enjoy it while you go out and, and find these amazing things. I, and, and I'm well, truly I'm grateful I, for it.
2: I'm really, really glad that's why I do it. You know, um, it means a lot to me, quite frankly, that people get a lot of get a lot out of this and um you know i do i have a lot of time invested into this music and this uh lifestyle i guess you could call it but this discovery of the blues it means a lot to me it's something i'm really really passionate about um and it's funny that you know we should i feel like we should skip to the third song because it's it's really poignant can uh considering what you just said you know the third um artist in, in my trilogy of Easter songs. He is the absolute bonafide blues singer. You know, and most people have never even heard his name. A lot of people have heard of Son House. A lot of people are, have heard of uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell, who I'm going to play next. And I may even have played him before on Down to the Crossroads. I should keep record of...
1: I, <laughs> maybe, yeah.
2: Maybe I should. It's It's around. I mean, I have... Notes here and there and scraps of paper, but, um, but this you know the the last person I'm going to play you're re- I think you're really going to get a lot out of because he is almost no one's heard of him. He's not you know he's not the pre-war blues that I'm I normally play. He's he was actually a little bit later than those guys, but he's everything that the blues is you know. And but the fact I have a Facebook page that further down in the crossroads, and I do get feedback sometimes from people who say, you know, I just never. Thanks for doing the work because I just never had heard of these people before, and you know the truth is, of course, it's my absolute pleasure is is bringing this music to people who've never heard of it before because, you know, I don't just do this for me. I don't spend hours on the internet finding out about this great music just for myself because that's no fun. You know, it's no fun to just go, hey, Aaron, me, isn't this great? <laughs> you know, it. it, it takes on a lot of meaning when I put it out there and people go, holy shit, that is really good. And I go, isn't it fucking great? (laughs) You know,
0: It's it's ear masturbation. Yeah, you
2: know, (laughs) I'd like to think it's more than that. I like to think I do bring pleasure to other people. So, you know, when I get feedback that people actually enjoy what I'm doing, it's really a bonus, you know. It means a lot. I mean, I would do this and I was doing this (laughs) for a long time before anyone was paying, you know, before anyone heard what I was masturbating about or orally, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I would, uh, you know, same thing with, well, anyway, you know, I, I would do this whether anyone were listening or not, but I, it's really nice that people are listening. So.
0: And it's surprising that I, I don't know about surprising, but it, it, it almost gives me a little bit of, of, um, I, I don't know, a, a warm feeling about society as a whole is that there is a greater appreciation of this music. And, and it's not just, you know, without down the crossroads, you know, we would never really know if it was just us or if it was other people, but the fact that we know now that it's other people and down the crossroads Mm -hmm. has been a, a a, a sort of a doorway that people can just walk through Mm -hmm. and experience some truly amazing music and, and have that shared connection Mm -hmm. of appreciation I think is amazing. And, and yeah. it's rare in this yeah. world.
2: I agree. You know, this is all kind of new to me. I have never had a Facebook page before. I never had anything that I put out there that people uh, responded to one way or another. You know, um, I was always kind of afraid to do that sort of thing. And um, But, you know, the more I put it out there, the more I hear from people saying, you know, this is really my wheelhouse. Like, how did you know? And I was you know it's it's really nice and a lot of people yeah they just never would have heard this music if it weren't for this show and that's yeah. pretty profound to me cuz i you know it's easy to get myopic it's easy to get sort of like Solipsistic in your own world and say, Hey, everybody knows what I know. It's just common knowledge to everybody. But the fact is that not everybody has heard of Sunhouse House. And that's, you know, that's fine. Like, not everyone has had the time that I've had to obsess about these people, you know? I feel so, like you just insulted me. No, no. 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 <laughs> I was insulting myself, if anyone. That's my thing. <laughs> it was all self-deprecating, I swear. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that sort of thing where it's easy for me to think that everyone knows everything that I already know, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's one of those trappings that we get into, unfortunately. So, so when it's fun to say, to put a song out and someone say, hey, i never heard that before. And in my head, I go, how is that possible? <laughs> and then I, re- then I remember, oh, yeah, like other people have other priorities in life besides like digging through, you know, dusty fingers in the, the stacks, you know, looking for shit no one's ever heard of before so you know I think it's great that my little hobby horse is car- you know is getting some interest and and it's not great because I'm a um, you know because I want attention <laughs> but because mm. I, I think this music deserves to be heard by <laughs> anyone who's interested in it and it touches I mean it really does just strike a chord with some people you know there's a, an authenticity to the blues that they're that a lot of people connect with that yeah. they don't with other music, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. What? 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 Right. Next? here?
2: <laughs> so, our next one is uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell, and it's a it's almost completely instrumental. I'm going to go ahead and hit play, and it's called "Wished I Was in Heaven Sitting Down." And it's there is actually an instrumental version to this, and feel uh, like I said this version is almost entire. Yeah. There's very few uh, lyrics on this, but. Again, with the slide guitar.
0: I, I want to address this idea of, of sure. wishing I was in heaven. Because mm-hmm. it's... it's sitting <laughs> down. Okay, whatever. But there, there's this idea that we as Satanists sort of latch on to. You know, there is no heaven or hell as in this location after death. Right. But life itself is either your heaven or hell. Right. And you know, when we can sit down and we can experience... This this is amazing, by the way. Isn't it great
2: that guitar, just that like sort of bass?
0: Bone, bone yeah, bone. and I, I just love his accompaniment with it, Alan's yeah. voice. But um,
1: this this
0: is the heaven that that these other people make up. Like right. like we're in it right now, experiencing yeah. it. These, these are the great celebrating experience of people past, of, of music of worth. That is, I mean, what's greater than right. than? The, the mutual appreciation of accomplishments, I mean, that that's heaven if there ever was one, and we're doing it right now. Yeah.
2: And I think this song especially is very uh, metaphorical. I don't think he means heaven. Hmm. I think he just wishes he could get a fucking break. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he doesn't want to be in heaven necessarily. He just wants to be done with all this shit and he could just sit down and relax you know he's sick of you know whatever the white man oppressing him he's sick of working in the cotton field you know he's just sick of all this shit. he just wants to be somewhere where everybody will just leave him the fuck alone and he can just sit down for a goddamn minute and catch a fucking break you know and i don't think he means anything about heaven necessarily you know i think he just means heaven would be be just alone with myself and a little bit of peace and no one
0: bugging me the, the it's context like, of heaven wrapped around uh satanism i mean that <laughs> yeah is a, it, it's not this imaginary thing it's just being right. able to take five yep here's yep. okay that was <laughs> that was beautiful um yeah. uh absolutely sure loved way. it very very melodic very nice very emotional yeah. um I think I think our ancestors would kick the shit out of us. Yeah, if they had the opportunity to come back for ten ten minutes, we're they would Beat our fucking asses like yeah. in a heartbeat. They went through disease. They went through uh, societal and, and and personal abuses. They went through struggles that we couldn't even right. imagine. Mm-hmm. While we're playing our fucking retarded video games and watching yeah. our newest, greatest cinematic movie, none of it has anything to do with story. None of it has anything to do with experience. Nothing uh, has anything to do with human expression or emotion that they d- dwelt in <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah. They yeah. understood what it meant to be happy. They understood what it meant to have five minutes of just peace. Yeah. Yeah. We are so inundated with noise Mm -hmm. and constant updates on everything around the globe. We have no idea about anything. Mm -hmm. Silence. Just, here's what. Okay, so (laughs) I, I'm sorry. Adam's excited. (laughs) I go up into the mountains because I can get something up there that is, I I can't get anywhere else. And that's Mm -hmm. silence. I can hear the wind rustling through the trees and it infuriates me when I hear an airplane going overhead. (laughs) I can't even get away from that. Yeah. They didn't fucking have that back then. You know, back in the day, yeah. there was such thing as silence, and there was such thing as contemplation, and yeah. and thinking about what you're gonna. And this is actually gonna be an insult to myself. Thinking about <laughs> what you're gonna say before you fucking open your mouth <laughs> and say it. I mean, th- there <laughs> was no t- time <laughs> to
2: think about things, Adam. We it. have
0: to just get it out, and and we feel like everything we say is is of, of worth, and it's truly not right. Well,
2: it's different, you know, it's evolution. I don't know if it's for good or for bad, but it's the way things are nowadays. You know, I would love it if people, if everyone would just slow down for a second. And I really, you know, I've consciously tried to do that myself. Like, just take a minute and just, I know it it sounds so mamby-pamby. It sounds so um, woo, but like, just. Just slow down, you know, like be cognizant of what's around you, be cognizant of the situation, try to be grateful for the moment. What do they call it? Be, um, now I can't think of it, but be, uh, present or oh, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, just, it, and I think it's a really, uh, it's a really good idea. It's a really satanic idea is to like just things are fine the way they are right now. Let's just stop, take a minute and appreciate
0: yeah. the moment for what it is. But anyway. Yeah, it, it just, sit down and experience heaven.
2: Yeah. Just a second. Heaven in air quotes.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> just I,
0: I, I, You know, I say that and then, you know, right. I know someone's going to be like taking a weird <laughs> context because they were raised Christian and they can't mm-hmm. divorce themselves of that absurd idea.
2: Right.
0: Wrap it around symbolic. satanic. Right. Wrap it around the, the, the bacon of Satanism. <laughs> the delicious crispiness. <laughs> and it'll make sense.
2: Yeah hopefully, yeah, everyone gets it. Yeah, fuck them <laughs> if they don't.
0: So what right, do we have exactly. the last year?
2: So the last one is the Coup de Gras, if mm. I may. This is Robert Pete Williams and he is, as I teased earlier, one of the most authentic blues men you'll ever hear. Alright, this is Lord I'm Coming Home and this is sort of religious only nominally really i don't think he's think he's actually singing about the lord because it's almost impossible to understand what robert P. williams is singing
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, up, down. Down.
2: Uh, right what do you
1: say huh lord i'm going back home soon. Maybe oh, a yeah.
2: dollar if you have even a clue what it's Lord,
0: talking I'm about. Lord, I'm coming back home soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I owe you a dollar.
0: <laughs> Where's my two dollars?
2: dollars.
0: <laughs> 80s reference there. Oh, yeah.
2: Um. So, So yeah, Robert P. Call. Williams, I don't know how to talk about this guy without being effusive and ridiculous. He is my favorite by far. I lost you a dollar. He is almost... Like, ridiculously authentic.
1: <laughs>
2: and if anyone who knows me knows that it's one of the things I find really admirable in people is when they're bona fide. <laughs> when they're really honest and real, and you know, he. If you listen to his guitar playing, it's not.
1: It's almost rudimentary,
2: you know, it's almost like a child playing it at times. There's a solo that he does later on the song where it's almost like a one string solo where it's
1: like a kid playing,
2: you know, it's like when, like if your kid picks up the guitar and just decided to play it.
1: But there's actually
2: some real uh, musicianship behind his playing. I got blues just the it's wikis. different,
0: right? I mean, it's.
2: Yeah. It's different. It's definitely different. It's not conventional at all.
0: I mean, taken in the context that I I addressed it earlier, where it's like a, a poem, like personal expression, this is personified.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I kept saying, <laughs> you're basically talking about Robert P. Williams here. Oh, listen, I like, guess it's hard. I mean, it's so... I don't know. Yeah, just, Start off five, just going for a walk. So and Good it's pace. almost... it. I can almost guarantee you that this is 100% improvised. You know, he yeah. just sat down and said, I'm going to do this. Are you recording? Here we go.
0: I got to say, I... I love that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love artists like James Brown or Aretha Franklin. No, yeah, woman. they do not have a system, they will do it their own way, every way. Uh-huh. That the, they don't just follow the same cues that, that they did before in order to have the same experience every time, and they are very. And that's I can't re-record shit like that. That's why my show <laughs> is so. I think bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I think it could be really good, but I don't I like can, to keep myself. I don't like to do things right.
1: again.
0: I can't you know, do things immediately Wait, again, I over can, and over
1: again. Just,
0: just, oh, god damn. This this is what defines a true individual in over just someone trying to be real or trying... Yeah, there's trying no way
2: to, to duplicate, duplicate this authenticity, you know? Uh, I mean, the guitar, it's so simple, it's so... imperfect, you know? But it's so authentic and that means more to me than anything else more than musicianship more than anything is that this here Mm -hmm, he's just feeling it you know and i know that sounds so cheesy and so simplistic but he's just playing what is coming out of his heart and into his fingers you know and i wish i could play like that i wish i were so unselfconscious that you could just i mean yeah Love that people love it because he's bonafide, you know. <laughs> Oops, no, no, so let's,
1: let's Yeah.
2: Well, see. and and Robert P. Williams is such an interesting guy because he uh, he went to jail, he killed a man, and he was actually discovered in the Angola prison uh, when he was serving a term for uh, killing a man. And there's a great clip you can actually watch it on YouTube. I think it's a, it's called Scrap Iron Blues. It's fucking phenomenal, and if I ever get a chance to play it on the show, I will again, and I'll have no qualms about repeating myself when I, say, when I say that. You know, he he sits down. There's a YouTube clip. It's called "Scrap Iron Blues," and he starts talking. He starts playing and singing, and he's got that. Oh, uh, you know, we were. It's, he's like crying into the microphone. You know, oh, God damn. I mean, it's just feelings, and you can see that it's just feelings. You know, it's nothing else but him feeling this feeling and and emoting it through his singing and his guitar and it's him um he tells the story of the when he killed the man you know and went to jail and so but and then at the end of this end of the video he admits like oh that you know that one's called scrap iron blues you asked me to play a song called scrap iron blues so i just made this up and you realize that he had just (sighs) made up like the whole video. Him making up a song and singing about it and then you know interspersed he kind of tells a story about how he killed this guy and it's fucking fascinating
0: <laughs> <clears throat> it's crazy what if that 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 kid that we talked about that i don't know if this is going to make <laughs> it into this re retake of, <laughs> of nine cents but um what if he was a musician what if he could play like this what if
2: he could you know you th- you think about charles manson and his fucking shitty music that he recorded like what if he had been better you know he you know he had a lot of songs and there's a barely listenable songs of charles mansons uh but the truth of them you know lead uh lead belly and also with robert pete williams he robert pete williams was discovered in prison and he was going to serve i believe a life sentence for killing someone in self-defense if you believe his story Mm -hmm. but he was let out um three years or something like that into his sentence because someone heard him play the guitar, you know, the warden heard him play the guitar and they were like, holy shit. And then somebody recorded that and it went out uh, to the public and someone heard it. And then uh, like, there was a letter writing campaign. And so Robert Pete Williams was out of jail in three years or, or something, if, you know, after killing someone. So, you know, and, and it's, you know, I don't want to make this connection to, um, uh, closely, (laughs) but there's the idea of like Chris Brown, you know, this asshole who beat up his girlfriend. So many people still are fans of Chris Brown, even though he admittedly beat the shit out of his girlfriend, like at point blank range, like just punched her until she was a bloody mess in, in the vehicle where she couldn't escape. Um, because he's a good dancer and a good singer, you know? And I <laughs> Is <think he?
1: laughs>
2: To many people, to these, yeah. people, to these women who f- who forgive him and will defend him till he, you know, till the day he dies. As long as he can dance, like, he gets a lot of leeway. And I think it's really, really true. I think it's, that we give a lot of leeway to these people. Lead Belly was in prison when he was discovered for playing a badass fucking guitar and singing like a motherfucker and they let him out too.
0: I uh, it's weird because like th- there's this sort of um I air quotes evolved sense of me that says that's absurd and there's no reason why we should hold these people to a loft- loftier position just because they're talented. But then there's a very real part of me that says mm-hmm. but I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Because they yeah.
0: they're, they're yeah. able to do something that one, not a lot of people to do are able to do, but you know that's that's not a big deal. I mean, I don't really care about musicianship, and, and, and it, it's it's what you do with it. Right. If if you can have authority with whatever you do in life, uh, and I'm gonna wrap it around uh, music and, and poetry because we've we've sort of worked in that context already. If you can if you can perform that way and and create something of substance. I don't mind if you're a human being infallible and and if you've done uh-huh. deplorable things because that's, I mean, we're all literally two steps away from that anyway. Right. There,
2: but for the grace of God, go I, but you know, it's like, it's like people on the street, like uh, who are begging for money, you know, if, if they do a little uh, soft shoe and then mm. say, give me a dollar, mm. I will more likely give them a dollar than if they just walk up to me and say, give me a dollar, you know, if they're actually willing to work for, for that dollar. And I think that's sort of the thing, like, like Robert P. Williams, he was willing to put the blood on the fretboard for his money, you know, and he made no money really. I mean, he was let out and it was sort of an indentured servitude that he was let out into. He was let out into, um, a farmer who he worked for, for some, so many years. And then finally was actually Granted a complete pardon, but for many years, I mean, this was in like the, the 50s, early 60s. It wasn't like slavery times. But he was, you know, released to the um, farmer who could do, you know, who just wouldn't, he couldn't, he could only travel. So he's like a dog on a chain, you know, mm. like he, he couldn't go travel, he couldn't go tour finally in i think 64 or something like that he was uh granted full pardon where he was actually his own man you know where he could actually go play the newport folk festival and he did but he still died poor you know he was he didn't make millions but he was somebody who you know we saw that he had something special about him so he was allowed to go this one step, where he was able to prove himself and then go another step yeah. and able to prove himself even more, and now he's a fucking legend, and people will eventually everyone hopefully will know who Robert Pete Williams is and that he was the fucking real deal
0: I think yeah and and that's something that <clears throat> I do believe is is a redeeming factor, you know I mean just yeah. paying off what we're all, what we're talking about here is that. There are people born with something inside of them,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know some people. Atta- I mean, Anton Living himself said there was a chromosomal difference. <laughs> it sounds weird when I say it like that. <laughs> there is a chromosomal difference. I, feel like I should say it with like a German Nazi accent. No, no, no. The chromosome <laughs> So there's a difference between people born with this this infliction of Satanism mm-hmm. in a time that is so not willing mm-hmm. to ad- ad- adopt Satanism you know we we are born in this time where we have the, the capacity of understanding mm-hmm. that there are there is true beauty you may do deplorable things you may you may have killed a man for whatever reason but mm-hmm. we're all so close to that but mm-hmm. you have a f- way of expressing yourself that is truly human and we are some people who cherish that
2: yeah there's some people that live that have absolutely no redeeming qualities whatsoever they're just parasites you know Mm -hmm. and then there are people like robert pete williams who have discernible redeemable qualities and those are oh uh (laughs) i i i i get a little little notice on my thing i thought it was a skype thing but we're fine anyway but he you know he's a guy who has a real fucking Mm inborn talent and that Means something that's important to some people. Yeah. It's important to me, you know.
0: Yeah, to all of us, it should be. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it means you can you can reach past uh, you, what's on the surface because none of us really live on the surface. You know, we're right. all fucking undersea deep creatures. We live in the dark, and we have only our way, our own ways of expressing that darkness. Call me messy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> But every once in a while, you get a glimmer, a glimpse. And there's some people who, you know, they just have a brightness about them. And and it's nice Mm -hmm. to be able to to experience that. Thank you, Aaron, very much for bringing that to the service.
2: It's more than my pleasure.
0: All right. So you can reach out to Aaron anytime you like i don't know if she's gonna to respond to your ass <laughs> you can reach out to her chelsea girl 19 on twitter uh, she has a facebook page down to the crossroads you can interact with the down to the crossroads i i don't know if i should call it a community but there is certainly an uh, a, a group of people rallying around the down to the crossroads cry Yay. and uh, you can you know hear some of the music that doesn't make it into the show because we're only once a month and you can actually experience some amazing music and touch those human expressions yourself at the Facebook page. So down on the of Facebook. And she <laughs> loves every one of you, I except for together. you in the corner, the creepy one with the eyebrows. I, I, I
2: even love the creepy one with the eyebrows. Do you really? Like, I
0: don't, he's yeah. not allowed up in my house. Fuck that. I love you guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, until next month, uh, hail Satan. Hail Satan. And that, my friends, is going to do it for yet another show. We ran long, but it was worth it. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanet Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace page for 9cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or a comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, the source for online satanic media. Once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan!